My first message this afternoon is for Mr. Fred, not Mr. Fred Gill, Mr. Reginald. I knew a guy named Fred Nolan one time about 30 years ago. So anyway, it is entitled At Cross Purposes, A Refutation of the Cross as a Christian Symbol. Reg. Welcome. First, I have been told to slow down a bit. Okay, because I do get carried away with something, especially because I have so much material to bring to you and so little time. I feel like Mae West. Okay, so much material, so little time. All right, but all right. over the past few years, it seems to have become my role to be one of the angry prophets of the Old Testament and rail against the, uh, the affronts of God that seem, we have seemed to have forgotten about or which we become a bit lenient. Even when I'm not here to defend myself, like last week, uh, I am cited as an authority on all things pagan, and I'm not sure that's, that's all that good. Okay, uh, thank you. Um, I, but I, I guess I brought that on myself. Who knew that, such, that, that groundhog that I talked about earlier would have such a long shadow? <laughs> I, I level today's tirade against the use of the cross as a, sim as a Christian symbol. Now, once upon a time, we knew better. We knew better. Uh, for when we had it spelled out to us exactly why the use of the cross was inappropriate. But mm, recently, we seem to have become somewhat tolerant of its usage. Mentioning it and it's become and normal in the pulpit, it seems, singing hymns about it with, and with almost veneration. Uh, has become almost expected. So today I want to refresh our memories about the source of confusion regarding the cross, about its totally inaccurate use as a metaphor for the execution of Jesus, and about its Catholic whitewashed origins in paganism. Imagine that, me talking about paganism. Who would have thought? All right, I'm going to try to slow down, I have, but I, as I said, I have already cut eight pages of material from this, and I'm still at 13,000 words, so I won't get it all in, that's for sure. I'm going to hit the high points, though, and I do have a clicker with, for the um, presentations uh, for you as well. That'll make it a little easier, I hope. All right, so here we go. Yeah, I think that the source of the confusion lies in the misunderstanding of the verb to crucify. The word, uh, let's see, are we on? and moving forward. Yes, there we go. To crucify. This Greek word uh, comes from the Strong's number uh, G4717, and it comes from styro, styro as the uh, verb form. There's also styro as the cross form as well. <coughs> it, it means uh, to impale. That's literally what the word means. To impale. Figurative, it means to extinguish passions or selfishness. Okay, here's the map on the, on the bottom of the screen that you see there. It occurs 16 times in 12 verses with the distribution map. Now, while it's true that crucify may mean nailed to the cross, it does not necessarily mean that in every usage. For example, we might say that one who is ridiculed or exposed to scrutiny or made a public spectacle was crucified in the press. We've heard that expression maybe, right? Crucified in the, they crucified him in the press. Uh, further, not all crucifixions are unto death, as was Christ. 
For example, a thief caught in the act of stealing in colonial America could have been crucified by being placed in the stocks in the public square and exposed to humili humiliation, scrutiny, ridicule. However, after an appropriate period of punishment, he could be released into a much wiser, more aware community. I think this is a better meaning of the word to crucify than is simply to nail to a, uh, a stake or whatever along. To break down this, uh, in, in, in terms of science, geologists may use a similar word. Um, to crucify, as in to put inside a crucible and to pound and to break down into its component parts. To expose the accumulants to scrutiny, as does a geologist when he grinds a sample of rock in to get at its components. In a societal sense, it means to subject an individual to public scrutiny and to ridicule. Again, although the original Greek means to impale, which in, in every sense of the word was a very cruel method of execution, sometimes the impaling was simply to nail, or was to nail the, the hands above the head, to, to tie them to, to above the head. Sometimes they actually stripped the guy naked and lowered him onto a sharpened stake and let the weight of his own body do the rest. That's one of the worst ways I can imagine to die. Okay, but it's a very, very, very gruesome way to think, to think about it. But that's the Roman world that we had back then. Today we use uh, the word impale. <clears throat> okay, uh, that brings up the actual, the topic of the actual instrument of Christ's, Christ's execution, commonly translated as the cross. Okay, here's the references to the cross that are found in, in Scripture. There are 28 of them in the New Testament with the following distribution map. You see where they're all located. All 28 references come from the same Greek word. It is Strong's number G4716. It is Styros. It's translated cross. And it means, it, it means uh, a stake or a post set up right specifically a pole as an instrument of capital punishment. Figuratively, it means to expose, exposure to death, that is self-denial, and by implication, the atonement for Christ. It is a, a, the cross. Again, a stake or a post, though, in no way implies a crossbar, although it neither does it necessarily preclude such. Rather, according to John uh, 19, 16-8, um, yeah, back up. Uh, Christ bore his stake until he became too weak to carry it, at which point another, other gospel writers inform us that a Syrian named Simon was compelled to, to uh, carry it. In a few places, uh, we find the word cross translated as or the word that is, is here is tree instead. So a cross as a tree. The word is translated as tree. Um, in Acts, 50, uh, Acts 5.30, for example, and 10.39, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus whom you slew and hanged on a tree. Uh, in uh, Galatians 3.13, uh, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone having been hanged on a tree. First uh, Peter 2.24, who, <clears throat> who his sins self-bear our sins, on his own self, bear our sins in his own body on a tree, that we, being dead to sin, should uh, live unto righteousness by whom stripe we are healed. Here the word tree comes from the Greek word 3586, which is zulon. 
Okay, uh, it comes from another form of the base, which is G3582, is timber. It means uh, a stick, a club, a tree, any wooden article or substance, a staff, stock, tree, wood, post, that sort of thing. Okay, there we go, all right. Uh, for your, I'm, I'm putting these up as we go along as well. The, this word in, has its Hebrew counterpart, and in the Old Testament, um, it means et, etes uh, ates. From Hebrew uh, 6095, it, it is a tree from its firmness, or hence uh, wood. Uh, or plural districts, it can mean carpenter, can mean gallows, to hell, uh, uh, plus pine, uh, it means plank, staff, staff, stick, stock, timber, tree, wood. You get the idea? Something made of wood. Not, we're not talking about witches now. All right. Uh, Paul uses the term tree in order to emphasize that Christ has been cursed for us in accordance with the Old Testament law. That's so he's crucified on the tree. Okay. And let's see. Um, there are other references in the Old Testament that refer to being hanged on the tree to set the precedent. In Joshua 8.29, and he hanged the king of Ai on a tree until evening. This is, uh, and as soon as the sun was down, Joshua commanded that they should take his body down from the tree and throw it down at the entrance to the gate of the city and raised on it a great heap of stones to this day. Uh, in Esther... Uh, 5.14, we also see this, the same situation. Remember when um, Mordecai was accused. And, and, uh, then Zeresh, his wife, and all his friends said unto him, Let a gallows be made 50 cubits high, and tomorrow thou shalt speak that the king, to the king that Mordecai should be hanged thereon, and go thou into, and merrily with the king unto the banquet. Banquet And this thing pleased Haman, and he, he caused the gallows to be made. So in this sense, the word that is translated as tree really means gallows, which is probably a better sense of what the word means. It's a device for execution. Okay, now, some scientific proof. Yeah, but before I do that, here's some typical crosses that we, we may see in com common usage. Okay, I'm going to point to some of these here as well. Okay, this one. It's the Egyptian cross. You recognize it as the Ankh. It became popular back in the 1960s. Going back to my day earlier. This is the sun cross. And the sun cross is also used as a symbol for Earth in astrology. This is the one that we're going to talk about a great deal. It's called a Tau cross. And this was, uh, comes from the Cimmeranian idea of Tammuz. The T for the Tau cross is the t first letter of the god Tammuz. And we will remember there's a lot of condemnation about him. And what happened actually is they took the crossbar across the top and just lowered it down a little bit. And it became then the Latin cross in the process. Okay. Now we can actually see the relationship of the cross to the sun when it uh, has a circle imposed behind it. So here we have the Celtic cross with the sun symbol behind it as well. This, of course, is the Maltese uh, cross. It has the rays of the sun going out. This is the swastika, uh, the Nazi symbol uh, here. It actually refers to the cross that is formed by the different points in the heaven. If you were to take the 
Big Dipper and watch as it rotates around the sky. You'll find an interesting pattern that happens. As it rotates around, it basically forms the arms of the swastika as it goes around like that. Okay? There was the Crusader's Cross, and interestingly enough, this Crusader's Cross is very, very similar to Thor's cross, the hammer of Thor, the Thor cross. Notice T again, the Thor uh, picking up Tammuz and for Thor and several of the others. You'll notice that many of them will start with the letter T because it's that T emblem that just got lowered down to make the cross. And here, of course, is the Mariner's cross. So you get the idea where, I'm, where we're going with this? There's a lot of history behind this symbol, and it's not Christian. Okay. All right, carrying the cross. Here's, a, uh, well, here's an interesting little bit of information. Uh, Luke 23, uh, 26 says, And they led him away, and they laid hold upon one Simon, a Cyrenian, coming out of the country, and, they, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. So here we have a person bearing the cross, and we use that phrase, bearing one's cross, uh, as we go along. This uh, would also... There's some problems with the idea of carrying the cross. This is the traditional picture that you see uh, so frequently used. Jesus uh, trying to carry this cro uh, cross timber like this. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. Okay. At, uh, at most, he's carrying a single board. He's not carrying something that's already nailed up like this. Uh, most uh, commonly, it would be carried a single bit long timber to which he would be tied or staked later on. Not the cross purposes like this. To give you some idea of what, what kind of things are going on, here's some scientific evidence behind this. I think. I'll, I'll present the scientific before I get into this. There's a whole lot of stuff coming on from the dictionaries and things. Um, <clears throat> scientific proof. As for death resulting from being nailed up, the most popular thought is that the Messiah would die of suffocation or asphyxiation. Uh, Frederick T. Zugaby, adjunct uh, professor <coughs> of pathology at Columbia University College of Physicians and Surgeons, performed extensive experiments to test this theory. He took volunteers and crucified them. Again, it doesn't mean to death. Okay, uh, they, they weren't actually nailed. They were suspended by belts and straps on a sturdy constructed cross. He conducted two variations of the crucifixion. One with a stipendium, that's the wooden block upon, um, a wooden block upon which the toes would be supported to help the victim support himself on that cross or styros, and one without the stipendium. <coughs> the, re the results can be read in an experiment. These experiments show that a man on the cross would not, would not suffocate to death with or without the stipendium. By way of comparison, Herman Mulder, a doctor of radiology in Austria, carried out an experiment in the 1940s in Cologne, Germany, with medical students. He strapped them uh, with their wrists directly above their heads, and within minutes, the students grew pale, their lung capacity and blood pressure dropped significantly, and their pulse rates increased. Mulder concluded that suffocation would have occurred in minutes if they were not able to stand and rest. 
Though we don't have complete information about this experiment, it appears that a stipendium wasn't used, neither was a, 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 sedial, a sedial, I guess, the block of wood that's attached to the stylus to support the buttocks slightly. This makes a difference because such devices can act as supports that, uh, as a, and can act as supports that the victim on the styros can use for support to, re to reduce the um, problem with his breathing. Now, the upshot of this is that if you have a cross, you don't in, uh, with the crossbar piece like that, you don't end up suffocating. You suffocate if the nails are, or if the hands are tied directly above the head and then the body settles down. Mm. So that means that Christ was in all likelihood nailed to an upright post, an upright pole, and then allowed to hang there. It was not a cross. What about the weight of the cross? Well, the weight of the cross also presents a problem. If we were to <coughs> translate the word uh, cyros to mean cross, then to carry the patabulum alone would be, that's the part that goes across, would be to carry only a part of it and not the whole thing. So is that really going to, be what Christ was trying to say, it would significantly reduce the impact of what Jesus was trying to convey. If styros were translated as the entire cross, according to some, it would weigh about 200 to 300 pounds, or 91 to 136 kilo, uh, kilograms, with the main beam uh, weighing about 125 to 175 pounds. This could easily be managed for... Uh, this could probably be managed by two men. However, scripture shows that uh, Simon the Serene actually took the styros to carry on his own. I've shown you those scriptures already. Note that uh, scriptures can be, he actually bore the styros. He did not simply ha help to carry it. Um, it. However, if it were a single stake, it would be a much more manageable weight. If you try to carry a cumbersome thing like that crossbar timber, it's not going to work very well. Okay, now, some may say, yeah, Reg, but uh, we're using the cross as a, uh, a metaphor. We're using the cross for a metaphor for Christ, and that he, he had to bear it for us. Now, as a student of literature, I understand metaphor. As a student of literature and creative composition in particular, I understand what metaphor is. This type of metaphor that we're using here is called metonymy. And metonymy is a, using a part for the whole. It's like saying the scepter as the, a, a, an emblem of the king and all the authority that's carried behind it. It's like saying fond of the bo bottle to say that he is an alcoholic. Uh, however, in order for that cross to work, as a metonymy trope, it would have had to been part of the original experience. And we find out in history that it wasn't. And we'll see that as we go along. We have no indication that any crossbar was ever used as an instrument of Christ's execution. So the cross fails in an appropriate metaphor. The, appropriate, the pervasive use of the cross throughout Christendom is just one more example of the Catholic whitewashing of a pagan symbol, imbuing it with sacred qualities, incorporating it into the iconography of the catechism. The use of the word crux as a two-beam uh, cross comes from the Latin Vulgate. It is, quote, a latter rendering of the word status, a mistranslation, really, of the word, and it's not extant in any first century text. The truth is that the cross is instead a ubiquitous symbol, 
present everywhere throughout almost all the pagan religions of, of, and, and used for the sun god. In Vine's expository dictionary, am I at that point? Yeah. Okay. In Vine's expository dictionary of New Testament word, we find this information. Styros denotes primarily an upright pale or stake. On such, the malefactors were um, nailed for execution. Both the noun and the verb styru mean to fasten or stake to a pole, and originally were to be distinguished from the execution, the ecclesiastical form of the two-being cross. The shape of the latter had its origin in ancient Chaldea and was used as a symbol of the god Tammuz. Remember pointing out how that T was actually just lowered down to become the cross that we have today? Being in the shape of the mystic Tau, that's the name of that letter. Tau is the, uh, one of the Greek letters, um, or Ta, uh, depending on how you want to pronunciation. the initial of his name. In that country and in adjacent lands, including Egypt, by the end of the third century, they had either departed from or had traversed uh, and certain doctrines of the Christian faith in order to increase the prestige of the uh, apostolic ecclesiastical system. I'm reading this from Vines. Um, pagans were received into the church apart from the regeneration by faith and were permitted largely to retain their pagan signs and symbols. Hence the Tau or T in its most frequent form with the cross piece simply lowered was adopted to stand for the cross of Christ. Indeed, the uh, st uh, Roman standard practice was to use an upright stake for crucifixion. Only in latter times did the Romans t uh, use a crossbar that was sometimes added. Okay, Unger's Bible Dictionary. I've got all sorts of sources. As I said, I've got like uh, 13,000 words with the material here. I won't be able to get all, to, all of it to you, but I'm going to try as much as I can. The cross was used as an instrument of death, was either a plain vertical stake with, to which the victim was fastened with the hands tied or nailed above the head. Such a stake provided with a crossbar to which the victim was fastened with the arms outstretched in some cases. Uh, that, the, that the cross was widely known in pre-Christian times as an emblem has been sh uh, clearly shown by independent investigators. Indeed, it is well known it is a heathen sign. The vestments of uh, priest of Horus, the Egyptian god of light, are all marked with little crosses. Uh, at Thebes, the uh, tombs of the king, the royal cows are presented as plowing, and a calf is playing in front. Each animal has a little cross marked in, on several places. Uh, Ransom found that the buildings in Nineveh were marked with a Maltese cross. That's the one I showed you with the head of the, uh, the uh, chevrons all pointing in the center. Osiris. Uh, one of the Greek, uh, the Roman, uh, Egyptians gods, as well as Jupiter Ammon, uh, had a monogram with a, pr a little cross on it. The cross is found marked on Phoenician documents as uh, at a very early date. In Bullinger's, uh, let's see, in Bullinger's Companion Bible, Dr. Bullinger states, crosses are used as symbols of the Babylonian sun god. It should be stated that Constantine uh, was a, a sun god worshiper. The evidence is thus complete that our Lord was put to death on an upright stake and not on two pieces of timber placed at any kind of angle. Bullinger goes on. Our English word cross is a translation of the Latin crux, but the Greek styros no more means a crux than the word stick means crutch. 
Uh, Homer uses the word styros of an ordinary pole or stake or a single piece of timber. This is a meaning and usage of the word that is throughout all the Greek classics. It never means two pieces of wood. It never means two pieces of wood placed across one another at any angle, but always one piece alone. Hence the usage of the word zulon in connection with the manner of the Lord's death as rendered as tree. This is preserved in the Old English root word, which is rude or rod. There is nothing in the Greek of the New Testament to even imply two pieces of timber. Okay, the companion, the companion Bible continues. Um, Bowen uh, points out that the symbol of crosses were used as symbols in the Babylonian sun god. A cross with four equal arms, vertical and horizontal, was especially venerated as the solar wheel. It points to the four different seasons of the year and the cycles as the sun moves around the sky. Um, Okay, the catacombs in Rome bear the same testimony. Christ is never represented as hanging on a tree, and the cross himself is only portrayed uh, in a veiled or hesitating manner. In the Egyptian churches, the cross was a pagan symbol of life, the Ankh, uh, borrowed from, by the Christian and interpreted in, in the pagan manner. In his letters to Rome, Dean Bergen says, I question whether the cross occurs on any Christian monument of the, of the first four centuries. In fact, the cross wasn't even introduced in the Catholic or Roman uh, Christianity until 600 years after Christ disappeared from the scene. Um, in Mrs. Jameson's famous History of Our Lord, as exemplified in the works of art, she says, it must be owned that the objects of art, uh, as hitherto shown, afford no corroboration of the use of the cross in the simple uh, traverse form. Um, I'm trying to, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. It's always as an upright state. That's what Bollinger concludes. The evidence is thus complete that our Lord was put to death on an upright stake and not on two pieces of timber placed at any angle. Hislop, Alexander Hislop in the two Babylons, book we're all familiar with. I've got a copy of my at home myself. Tells a great deal about the early history of the cross. Okay? There is hardly a pagan tribe anywhere where the cross has not been filed. The cross was worshipped by the pagan Celts long before the incarnation and death of Christ. It was worshipped in Mexico. Did you know there was a temple of the cross in Mexico? At Palenque, Mexico. Have you heard of that place by chance? I've got a picture over here. It will come up to it maybe in a minute. Uh, it was worshipped in Mexico for ages before the Roman Catholic uh, missionaries ever set foot there. Some large stone crosses were uh, being erected. They probably to a god of rain. The cross was thus widely worshipped or represented as a sacred emblem. It was the unequivocal symbol of Bacchus, the Babylonian Messiah, and later became the Greek god of wine. Maybe you've heard of the Irish drinking song. Uh, it goes something like, great, great immortal and divine, gray-haired Bacchus, god of wine, create me by adoption thine own son, in the hope that you'll comply that my glass will ne'er run dry. Here's my darling little Christian son. So he's willing to sacrifice his child in order to have a, a guaranteed supply of liquor for all his life. Uh, Irish. Uh, uh, <laughs> this symbol of the Babylonian god is reverenced at this day in all the wide uh, waste of uh, Tarni where uh, Buddhism prevailed. Um, there's another symbol. I'm going to skip this one, I think. Okay. 
Mm, too much, too much. Uh, okay. All right, there's Ezekiel 8, 13, and 16. I've been mentioning Tammuz for a reason. Tammuz, as I said, this um, Babylonian Chaldean um, God, uh, the husband, son of his wife, mother, Semiramis. It gets very confusing family relationships in that time. Um, but in Ezekiel 8, verses 13 through 16, we say, uh, we hear God say, turn, he said again, turn to me, turn thee again, and you sh uh, thou shalt see greater abominations that they do. And he brought me to the door of the gate of the Lord's house, which was to the north. And behold, there sat women weeping for Tammuz. The weeping process is, uh, is part of the cycle. The, the God was born in the midwinter, um, December 25th, by the way, and uh, then was executed in the spring and then uh, uh, executed usually by some form of crucifixion and then buried and rose three days later. In other words, it is what Matthew loves to call pre-corruption. It is setting things up in advance. Um, he then said to me, Hast you seen this son of man? Turn again to me, and thou shalt see even greater abominations than these. He brought me to the inner court of the Lord's house, and behold, at the door of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar, there were about five and twenty men with their backs toward the temple of the Lord, their backs toward the temple of God, facing the east, facing what? The sun, the rising sun, and they worshiped the sun toward the east. Uh, in um, Babylonian mystery religion, uh, Ralph Woodrow asserts it was not until Christianity began to be paganized. Here's pictures of Tammuz, so you can see what. This is the god they were worshiping. This is the baby Tammuz. Oops, back up. This is the baby Tammuz here. And, and notice the sun image behind it. This is his wife, mother, Semiramis. And here's the god of, of uh, Tammuz in his. Uh, prime, this, I guess, why women were so weeping for him. Um, <clears throat> the uh, so-called Christian cross then is pagan to the core. As true son worship, as son, as true worshippers of Jesus Christ, we should have nothing to do with it whatsoever. We should repudiate, abhor it. We should put it as far away from us as possible. Just because Jesus Christ, the Messiah, was hung and crucified on a stake or styros, in no means suggests that we should venerate or worship the implement of his torture. That notion is downright obscene, bordering on blasphemous and iniquitous. How cleverly Satan has gotten people to focus their attention on this pagan cross, calling it Christian, instead of focusing upon Christ himself. If Christ had been shot with a bullet, would we carry around a bullet as a sacred symbol? No, I don't think so. So why do we do it with this symbol? It's not at all based in anything uh, Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to just go through my slideshow here that I've got with you because I've got too much material to try, ever try to cover here. And I didn't realize that's going to take so much time. All right, so here's some pictures. This is Tammuz, Bacchus, Orpheus. Okay, did you know, for example, that the first inscription of anyone ever being crucified occurred several centuries before Christ, and it was Orpheus here. Oops, wrong one. Back up, back up. This one. 
It was Orpheus. This is Orpheus. And no, he is being crucified on a cross because Orpheus is associated with the sun god. Here is, uh, this is a picture of Tammuz, uh, or a not a picture, but a drawing, an etch of, of uh, and notice the crosses on his headband. Uh, here is some coins uh, with, the, uh, with Tammuz on the head, and notice the cross here on the, on the obverse. Uh, and th Tammuz is also associated with the month of April, and that is the fourth month. Notice that the four, notice that the four forms a cross. Okay, and the month of April is also the time in the spring when the resurrection supposedly would have occurred. Uh, he is associated with fire. Hence, if you, you can't see it what, very well in this image, but this is actually a picture of a uh, person, a, a humanoid-like shape, but he's on fire everywhere. And that's the picture, the image of Thomas that we have. Um, in the conquest of Mexico, um, they were surprised when they got there, the missionaries were surprised when they got there and they found that the cross was already there. It was in a picture. Here, let's see if I've got that up here. Uh, the, the objects of weapon at the temple of Anahata. Uh, here's Palenqua. This is Palenqua. There's the buildings of Palenqua. Here, let me show you if I think I've got those. Oh, well, here, here's some images of it. This is the actual temple of the cross. Here's some of the grounds, this is the layout of it. Uh, that, but, but when they got there, several centuries before uh, Christ, we find that happened. Here, look at this reference though. Um, scriptures condemn the practice of addressing a piece of wood or a stock as our father. Uh, God says through Jeremiah the prophet, as the thief is ashamed when he is found, so is the house of Israel ashamed. They, their kings, their princes, and their priests, and their prophets say to a stock, um, Hebrew meaning stick, wood, timber, stake, post, etc. Same reference I gave you earlier. Thou art my father, and, and to a stone thou hast brought me forth. And they have turned to their back to me and not their face. Uh, this is pro a prophecy that is pro condemning the cross as much as anything else. The image of the cross itself is actually a sex symbol. It is a combination of the upright member as the male and the horizontal member as the female. In fact, in some places it was known as the flying phallus. Um, Woodrow in... Uh, let me get here. This is some Scandinavian crosses. This is the Thor cross. Um, oh, come on, Reg. Here we go. This is the traditional Thor cross that is worn around the neck. Sometimes, it, notice it has the T in it again. That T is prevalent. Why? Because of Thomas again. Notice that this time the cross is inverted when it's presented. Here, this is a Scandinavian cross that it closely resembles the swastika. This is the, uh, the abstract form of the Thor cross with the hammers on each end. And that's, what it, that's one of the posts that it looks like. Um... Mm. Okay, these are images of the sun god. This is the, the Tau, uh, which is the, the letter T of Tammuz. Here is an image of the cross with the sun superimposed, uh, the, sun, the cross superimposed upon a sun symbol, and you see that with the spiring rays got light going out. This, of course, is uh, Isis uh, with the cross behind her. 
Uh, here is a Celtic cross. We've noticed the cross and the sun symbol again imposed behind it. Here is the traditional ta of the uh, Chaldean with the sun symbol around uh, again behind it. Um, all right, this, this is the wheel of heaven that I mentioned earlier, spring here, the spring equinox here, autumn equinox here, and it goes around the, the cycle of heaven. This one is the Ankh that, uh, from ancient I Egypt. Uh, this one is called the Cairo uh, cross. Chi is a Greek letter that to us looks like an X. It's pronounced as C-H, and then the R, uh, then the letter that looks like a P is the Greek letter Rho. It's for the R, so you take C-H-R, and supposedly that's to mean Christ, right? C-H-R was that symbol. Problem was, it shows on rocks up, it shows up on rocks 2,500 years before Christ. It's a bit, bit of a problem. Uh, this one is, uh, here, here is an example of the Cairo, Cairo cross with the sun emblem behind it as well. And notice it is superimposed above another cross as well. These are the uh, uh, priests of Ratanau out of Egypt, and uh, these are uh, Buddhist monks with the crosses hanging from them. Uh, the cross is also used in uh, things like the tarot and Wiccan literature. This is the hanged man. It's a cross upside down. Notice again, it makes the symbol for the four upside down with that one as well. Uh, there is so much, so much I, I can't possibly cover. These are crucified man-god saviors. Again, to use Matthew's phrase, it is pre-corruption. And w we have this entire pantheon of gods that are supposedly saviors of mankind that have been, that sacrificed themselves and supposedly rose three days later in order to um, save mankind. Sound familiar? What's happening? It's an imitation. It's a corruption. It's, it is a counterfeit. But I do it before Christ occurred that so that when he shows up on the, same, on the scene, he's identified just as one more myth. It's, so, the pagan... This, okay, what can I say? Have I convinced you enough yet? I've got, if you don't have enough information yet to convince you that we shouldn't be having crosses around us or singing about crosses or mentioning them in or anything of this nature, bring me, come see me. I've got 13,000 words worth of material in this alone, and that doesn't even begin to scratch the surface. So hang up your cross. Okay.